So I know that was a little bit scary for some of you introverts, but I, I think it's great every so often to not just keep moving, 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 but just think, has the Lord spoken to me? What did he say, and what am I doing about it? In, in fact, I started keeping notes on my phone because sometimes people will come and talk to me, like Jeremy, and will say, hey, I think the Lord wants you to hear something. And in the past, I've just gone like, that's awesome, and then I move on to the next 10 things. <laughs> and so I've started writing them on my phone so that every so often I can look back and go, oh, yeah, Lord, i got to pay attention to you and what you are saying in my life, right? And so I want to, some of you need to hear that. You're off to the races rather than applying what God has already said to you. So I hope that you heard some things in, the, in your groups this morning that were, that were meaningful, and, and we did for sure. So I want to ask uh, two things as we get into this series, and, uh, and one of them is this. If you're in town, be here on Sunday, and so that's for your good so you can grow, so you can see each other, so we can be a family. It's also for the benefit of new people who will show up. Because if a new person shows up and they're the only person in the room, how will they feel? Bizarre, right? If somebody came to your house for dinner and you weren't there, right? Unless they're a burglar, that's a really bad situation, right? And so, uh, and, and here's the second thing. If you're gone, traveling, if you're out and about and you're whatever, please catch up. You can find podcasts and Vimeo and YouTube, and you can find the, the sermons and what we're talking about. You can find the services and just catch up, because that'll give you continuity of all the different aspects of what we're talking about and how you can build your life on him. And that's not a waste of time, right? I mean, so j just so you know, you, you may, I may have told you this before, I don't like to hear myself speak. I don't like sit during the week and just think of smart stuff to say. I, I spend time with the Lord and I say, Lord, what do you want your people to know about you? What do you want your people to know about our mission here, why you've placed us here at this time? And so that's the stuff that we're going to share on Sunday. If it's not that, come bust my chops. I'm serious. Just say like, man, you missed it. And let's talk through that. But, but if the Lord is speaking, and I believe he is, then we got to pay attention, and let's stay consistent over the summer. Okay, cool? Okay, great. I like the write-ons. Okay, and, and the other thing that I think about is Caneo is not a spectator church. And so it's not about, you know, uh, watching something on Netflix or being, it's not, we're a faith family, and God's called us to reach our community, which only happens if we stay engaged with each other. It, the community will not be reached if we're just willy-nilly all over the place this summer. Okay, so let's get started. In Mark 12, you can turn there if you have your Bible, there was a debate going on between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Does anybody know what the debate was about? The resurrection, okay? So the Sadducees did not believe that the dead were raised, and that's why they were sad, you see. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Okay, so anyway, so there was this debate happening between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Jesus and his disciples are in the middle of it, and then we're going to pick it up from there, so please stand with me as I read these verses, starting in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. 
noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, before we move on, all the commandments did not mean the 12. It meant 613 different do's and don'ts that the rabbis saw as important. So he was giving Jesus a difficult question. And then verse 29, Jesus says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. Understatement of the century, right? Hey, good answer, Jesus. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbors yourself is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I love this. From then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. <laughs> you can be seated. So love God with everything and love people really well. All of scripture rests on those two things. These are not just the most important commandments. These are rules for life. This, in these two things, the rest of life makes sense. If you're trying to make sense of your life and you're not hanging your life on these two things, things will get wonky. Things will get out of balance. You will be confused. You will not know what to do in a lot of different circumstances. And how you respond to God's love, shown in creation, shown in his word, shown in the gift of Christ in our lives, means everything about you. And if you love other people out of that love that you've been shown, it shows that you understand you're forgiven. It shows that you understand that the point is him and not you. There's something about loving God and loving people that makes us whole, makes us who we're created to be. It makes us uh, fully human in, in the best uh, meaning of that. In fact, check this out. Think about, think about this. You can't really love God without loving people. How do you play out loving God each day? Is it just about escaping out into the wilderness to be alone with him for the next 20 years? Some people did that throughout history, but now you're no help to anybody else. Loving other people is one of the main ways that we show our love for him. In fact, if you doubt what I'm saying is true, read the whole book of 1 John. Because 1 John is saying, how can you hate this person and say you love God? They're created in God's image, and you have to love them, and that's how you show that you love God. In fact, someone once said the whole uh, rest of Scripture gives us the mean, matter, manner, motive, and method, a lot of M's, of how to accomplish loving God and loving others. So loving God, love others, and then all these pages are telling you how to go about doing that. And in fact, a whole bunch of these pages are bad examples of people who tried and failed or didn't try. 
And then they learned the hard way, oh yeah, I did it selfishly, I did it wrong, I, right? There's hope for us because, man, these pages are full of some people like us who eventually got it together. So loving God and others becomes my motivation for obeying everything else the Bible says. And in fact, 1 John 5.3 says, this is love for God to keep his commands. So these things are just woven together. And usually, no, I'm not going to say usually, I'm going to say always, when, when I'm obeying God's word, I'm either loving him or others or both. So every time I put this into practice, I'm doing both of them or one or the other every single time. But sometimes we look at this as a rule book and we're like, God just wants to be a killjoy and mess up my fun. And that, That's not what he wants. He's not asking all this stuff from us as much as he wants stuff for us. He wants to invite us into life worth living, which is a life loving him and putting him first and in communion with each other, blessing other people. That's not a bad way to live. Amen? So where do these words uh, that Jesus spoke in Mark 12, where do they come from? Deuteronomy 6, you probably have a little note in your Bible that says, oh, look. In fact, when you have those little letters or a little number next to the verse, it's always a good idea to look, where does this come from? How does Old Testament, New Testament fit together? Deuteronomy 6, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Sounds familiar, right? This is called the Shema. And that word means hear or listen. And it's a command. And now you may be thinking, well, what is the Shema? And so I want you to watch this little video because Bible Project did a great job on the word Shema, the idea Shema, and the prayer Shema. So let's, let's watch this. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. 
So asking God to shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, if you shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema. Isn't that great? We should clap for Bible Project. So how many of you have done the uh, Bible app devotionals over the last six months that, that we do together? So there's a new one, um, well, a new one for this week that we're going to do together that's based on this. And so they actually go through what that video, Shema, and then we can comment on it. And then they go into uh, mind and heart and, and strength, or I'm sorry, uh, soul and heart and strength, what those words mean. So watch for an invitation from me on the Bible app or uh, maybe send an, if you're out on, uh, on Facebook, you can leave a comment, say I'd love to be part of the Bible app or info at caneochurch.com and we'll get you connected. Okay, sounds cool. Uh, so, so it's interesting that listen and obey are the same thing. And it's interesting that, that this is a prayer that the, the Hebrew people the, the Jewish people used to pray twice a day, morning and night, and then they would grab a portion of Deuteronomy and a portion of Leviticus, and they would add it to that, and that was an everyday discipline to always remember that God is one and that he's the focus of our lives. We're to love him. I think, I think it's fascinating how that shaped the people over time. And it's, it's a pledge of allegiance. It's also a hymn of praise. It's both. And, and I think that we, as, as American Christians, we, we blow it because we don't see listen and obey as the same thing. We listen, and then we decide, should I obey? Do I feel like obeying? Do I have the, you know, what's in my best interest? And 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, the children of Israel, they understood that these things fit together. If I'm really a follower, I'm doing it, or I'm not really a follower. And that's where uh, we, we've got to really get into this, this truth. What does it mean to love God and do what he says as part of loving him? Hmm. Love, the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then Jesus added mind. So it's, it's interesting 
that there was this Eastern understanding and this Western understanding, and, and that Jesus was not changing the original text. What he was saying was, make sure that all of you is involved. Make sure that there's no part of you not involved in loving God. Now, defining each aspect is great. I've heard sermons. Have you heard sermons on, you know, the, the three or the four aspects? How do you love God with your mind? How do you love God with your heart? That's wonderful. But here's what gets hard. Those words are hard to define, and there are certain parts of me like my will, my passion, my gifts, my goals. Where do those fit? And so there's something that, uh, about this whole idea. It's not about these four ways that you're going to love God. The real heart of the matter is love God with every single thing that you are, including everything. And that's why Jesus added the other word for emphasis to say, make sure that you love God in all aspects. Nothing, nothing is left off the table. Everything is his. And so uh, here's another uh, truth from that that we can gather. We are integrated people. I was having a smart conversation with Jonathan this morning about how sometimes we, as, uh, as Western Christians, sometimes we separate our spirit from our body. That's an ancient practice that was known as Gnosticism 18, 1900 years ago, that, that my, my body is bad, my soul is good. No, you're an integrated person. You are all one. And so body, mind, and spirit are all one. Will and passion and desires and goals and gifts and future and past and present. It's all you. How many of you are part of Kaiser Permanente? Okay, here's why that matters. Uh, a whole bunch of new doctors are ODs, not MDs. And, and do you know what that means? Osteopathic medicine. That means that you're not just treating a symptom, you're trying to treat the whole person. You're trying to say, well, wait, something caused you to feel like that. What's going on with your diet? What's going on with your lifestyle? What's going on with your genetics? How does all this stuff fit together so that we don't just make you feel better with a pill, but we kind of go, I wonder what's wrong with you? Maybe there's, maybe there's a lot of things wrong with us that they're trying to figure out. And this is also not a new idea because Socrates, uh, in the fourth century BC, he warned against treating only one part of the body. And he said, the part can never be well unless the whole is well. The Bible talks about us being integrated individuals. And so one of the things that we're going to do in our study over the next few months, uh, two months, is not just to study heart, not just to study soul, but we're going to study what does it mean in our work, in our relationships, in our spiritual life, in our different aspects of a person that incorporate many of these things, even in our sexuality? How do you love God and love people in your sexuality? How does that all work together? And so we're going to kind of look at ourselves as holistic people. Now, there's a lot of New Agey stuff and Eastern stuff that you can get into when you think about holistic healing. I'm not talking about that. But here's, here's what's interesting. There's some truth to some of that stuff because have you ever noticed your, your stuff relates to it, different parts of you? Here's what I mean. I have a bad back. Right up here it hurts, okay? Sometimes my back bugs me a lot. How many of you have a bad back? Okay. Sometimes my back bugs me a whole bunch, and, and it's like 
it really grabs my attention and I can't exercise today, can't ride my bike, can't do weights, can't, and I'm mad. And so you know what I do? I eat chips. <laughs> I do. I eat tortilla chips. Um, I, I don't know why, you can eat more like tortilla chips than any other kind of chips. I don't know why, but you can just go through a half a bag like that. Now here's the thing, temporarily it helps my back feel better because all the blood suddenly is going here, right? But you know what happens? Now I've gained a little weight if I've done that 10 days in a row, which affects my back, right? And then you know what else happens? I get bummed out because I'm like, that's not the person I want to be. I don't want to be chips person. <laughs> I, I want to be mountain bike person. And then that makes me go eat more chips because I'm sad about being <laughs> chips person. Okay, right? Is this the human condition? We, we are so intermingled, right? And you know what's crazy? Somehow that even affects my prayer life sometimes. It affects my, my, spirit, my spirituality and and my spiritual authority when I'm chips guy. What the heck is going on with that? So, but we wanna, we wanna zoom out from all this and say, Lord, help us to be whole people and not just give you little parts of us, not segment ourselves and say, well, I'm gonna be disciplined here, but not here. Uh, I wanna be whole and healthy, and I hope that you do too. And that's what the Lord has for us. He wants us to be whole and healthy. There are a whole bunch of verses about us as integrated people. And we're going to lay these out over the next few weeks, but here are a couple of them just to get us started. In Proverbs, I want to lay three of them on you that are really good. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. What? Now that's interesting, right? How the, the emotions and the body are linked. Even this is 3,000 years ago. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So Solomon, one of the wisest men, maybe the wisest man who ever lived, he noticed there's something about body and soul that are interlinked. Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up your bones. Wow, Right? So he was noticing when someone's distraught, when they're down and out, when they feel like life has been stolen from them, guess what's next? Physical body follows. But if someone feels encouraged, inspired, connected, uh, passionate, physical body follows. Interesting, right? And notice um, how a jo the, the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? There's another one related to that. Now look at 3, 3 John 1. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. And look at this part. As it goes well with your soul. I think that's fascinating. And you'll notice in the greetings of Paul and Peter in the New Testament that often they will blend these in their blessings. They'll be like, may, God, may the God of peace be with you and with your spirit. That's interesting. And so there's like this holistic blessing that you had in the early church. Like, like, may you have his shalom in all of who you are. And I don't think that we do that sometimes. We're like, we'll say, hey, bless you, man, or hey, hope you feel better. But how cool would it be if we passed on blessings and prayers and we're like, Michelle, I hope 
that God blesses all parts of you and that you just feel his shalom and his wholeness and, and you're just psyched this summer, Amen. inside and out. We, I, I believe that we have that kind of authority in the Lord because we have the Holy Spirit where we can bless people, not just, I hope you feel better, I hope your bunion gets better. Like, what is that? That's so short-sighted. What, what if we're saying, I hope that you experience all of who he is and that you experience all of his peace and his joy and his light, right? His wholeness. Let's be passing that kind of a blessing onto each other. And it may freak you out the first time, and, and you could just say, well, Pastor Kirk said I can do this, so I'm just going to try it. And, but I believe that God will use that kind of blessing and conversation to strengthen us as his body, because it's him blessing his own body, right? Okay. Now let's look at this one, 1 Timothy 4.8. For while bodily training is of some value, okay, so that's going to the gym is good. Godliness is of value in every way, even better, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So he's linking this idea of take care of your body while you got it. Take care of yourself, your soul, because you're going to always have that. And uh, sometimes I do funerals or memorial services, and one of my favorite things to talk about is how Paul talked about our bodies being a tent. Now, look at your body, okay? Some, some of you guys, the tent has a lot of miles on it, right? And some of you, your tent is in pretty decent shape. But in, in American culture, even in American Christian culture, we, we think that the tent is the, is the focus. The person who lives in the tent is the focus. When you go camping, the tent is not the focus. You are the focus. You get to go and enjoy camping. The tent allows you to be protected from the environment, right? But we try to keep the tent alive. We, we patch it up. We sew it up. We duct tape it. We glue it. We keep this thing going as long as we can. And the Lord's like, what about the person that lives inside, right? And so we are a whole person. The soul is more important than the body, but man, they are both important. Okay. So, um, so over this summer, we're going to learn how to love God and how to love other people in all these different aspects. So that's going to be our litmus test. How do I love God and love other people with my body? Hmm. And what if I do things that are not loving God and not loving other people with my physical person? Now, how do I love God with my work? How do I love people with my work? How do I love God with my emotional state and my, my mental capacities? And how do I love people with my mind? Uh, I, have, I have a friend who is a very creative, uh, creatively generous person. He's always thinking about how he could help somebody else with a gift or a word of encouragement or asking the right question or giving, giving a gift card or... He's using his mind to love God and other people in very creative ways, and he has fun doing it. And there are all different ways that we're going to study about how do I love God and love others in everything. Now, how cool would it be if we walked into fall with these things under our belt? The two things that Jesus said are the most important, that in every aspect of my life, I'm going to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. In every aspect of my life, I'm also going to put you first in front of me. 
that's going to change some stuff, right? And we're going to walk through it practically, not just pie-in-the-sky ideology. We're going to walk through it like, how do you actually do this with your sexuality? That's hard. How do you do this with your thought life? Well, that, how do, we're going to give you practical help with how to do this. And one part of this thing is going back to the Shema. We're going to listen and we're going to do. We're not going to listen and not do, because that doesn't make sense. If God is God, and his word is his word, and his love is love, I'm going to trust him. And if he asks me to do something in a certain area of my life, I'm going to do it. And, and then I'm going to let the chips fall, because he knows better than I do. And that's a way that I'm going to love him, but it's also a way that I'm going to be a better lover to any of you, and you're going to be a better lover to me. Does that make sense? So I want to ask the band to pop back up here. And so just, just think about this. When Jesus was asked, what should we focus on? What is the most important thing? He laid down those two truths. So as you sit there, let's say that it's just you and, and the Lord. Okay, so you are sitting here with the Lord. Nobody else is around. Everybody else just disappeared. If the Lord said, hey, how are you doing with what I asked you to do? How are you doing with loving me, the Lord is speaking? How are you doing with loving people? How would you answer that? What grade would you give yourself? Would you say, well, this needs a little focus. I, I feel like I got a little off track. I feel like I got distracted. I feel like I've been a little selfish lately. I feel like I've been... And here's the thing. The Lord doesn't want to beat you up because he loves you so much. He wants you to have everything in him, meaning all joy, all peace, all love, all fulfillment. He wants you to become who you created to be. And so, but we have to start from where we are, not from where we want to be, which means I got to say, okay, Lord, I feel like I'm not loving you very well in this aspect of my life. Let's start there. And, and then we got to say, well, maybe I'm not loving other people as well as I could at work. Maybe I'm not loving the people I live with very well. Maybe, Lord, that's what I, I really need to focus on that right now. And if we are focused on those two things, we're going to be of benefit to all of those around us. But if we're not focused on those two things, our lives are about us and they are going to only go so far. We're not going to be able to have the impact on this planet that God has created us for, that he has sent us to have that he's placed us together in this place to carry out in our community. Amen? So I want to ask you to do something. When you came in, you got one of these little cards. Would you please take it and hold it up? And does anybody still need one? I have some more. Here we go. Here we go, ladies. So take a look at this. This is a great commandment card. Who else needs one? Would, oh, here. I'm gonna, would you please help those go over to Maria? Anybody else need one? Right in the back, there's some right back there and right over there. So take a look at this. This is a prayer, and I want to challenge you to do what uh, the Jewish people have been doing for 3,000 years. Pray this morning and night. And we made it personal and we made it specific. Lord, today, show me how to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how 
to love my neighbor as myself. Now, for me, I'm going to put this in my car because I'll see it. And there are more on the counter out there on the table if you want to put one in your car, one on the fridge, one on the desk, one on your uh, nightstand, one in your bathroom so you can not escape it, right? But the whole idea is being mindful of the Lord, showing our love for Him, and also showing our love for others every day as a discipline. Because this is just like going to the gym. You're going to exercise into this. You're going to learn more and more how to be a loving person and how to be a person full of the Lord. Amen? Now, I want to ask you to just spend a couple minutes as we sing this, this last song, uh, just seeking the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today about this? And, 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 and ask him, how is my love for you going? How is my love for others going? And what do you want me to do next? And so let's sing this last song.